and welcome to another podcast in the Tap Talks HR series. Today I am joined by Jenny King, HR consultant from Oroco Consulting. Hi Jenny. Hi Anthony. Jenny, we're here today to talk about the multi-generational workforce and in particular the effects of an ageing workforce. So to get us going, do you want to explain to our listeners what we mean by a multi-generational workforce? Sure. So by multi-generational, um, I'm talking about a range of people from sort of 18, 16 to 18 in the workforce right through to the late 70s and beyond in some cases. And some of the sort of words that can be used to describe the different generations that people might have come across before are baby boomers who would be currently aged between 54 and 72, millennials who, contrary to what you might think, are actually born before the millennium. Um, So the oldest millennial now would be 41 in the workplace. And Generation Z, which are people that are currently perhaps at university due to leave. So people born after 1997, basically, Gen Z. And that's, that's really interesting because we, you hear in the, the news and everything people still talking about millennials as the, 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 the new generation. Yeah. You're saying that some of them are in their 40s now. That's right, yes. Yeah. So the oldest millennials would be in their 40s. Um, the youngest millennial now um, technically would be sort of 21, 22. So that's a generation in itself and another one has come on board. And then there's Generation Alpha lurking. Um, in the background in people's uh, nurseries and at school at the moment who are people um, classed by an Australian psychologist as young people that only know a world with the word I in front of nearly everything. That's fantastic and slightly scary at the same time. Slightly scary, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because I heard recently that people who are entering the workforce now will probably uh, work to the age of 80. Yeah. So that's like a career of like 60 years. Yes. Which is worrying. That's three careers of 20 years Scary. you can fit together. Right, so talking about multi-general workforces and your interest in this, so why is this an issue now? Um, well, what's happening, not just in the UK, but more widely across Western economies, is that the, um, and it's not a new thing, it's, it's that the population is ageing. People are living longer, um, both in the UK and in other countries. Um, mainly in part due to better diets and medical advances so that the consequence of that is that people are working for longer that's partly due to the fact they are alive and can work for longer and also a financial necessity due to changes in the pension age in the UK at least and so the the result of that is that one in three people that will be in work in the UK will be over 50 in the next sort of 10 years. Yeah, and what do you think some of the implications of that might be for the workforce of the future? Um, well, I think it changes um, if workforces have traditionally been between sort of 18-year-olds typically and 60, 65, that there are people that will need to work even to qualify for their state pension up until they're nearly 70 and possibly beyond. And so that what kind of work can they be doing? Where does the physical element of their health come into play? Um, We know that the nature of the work any of us will be doing will be changing over time anyway. Um, But to what extent are workplaces age friendly, um, particularly with older workers, typically classed um, older workers are over 50. Um, So what are the issues for them in particular as a group, as against working mums or as against young people? And that's one of the areas because of the growth in people in this age category going forward 
um, their particular issues become more important compared to the past because there's just more of them and there'll be more of people aged over 50 in the workplace. So basically it comes down to statistics. Yeah. Like, because one in three are going to be over 50, then yeah. actually it's going to become a, a driving force to actually how we recruit, who we recruit, except yeah. what we do yeah. in the work. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, Interesting, because uh, obviously it's, a, it's its own demographic and everything. What, what are some of the myths and, and perceptions that you've discovered around older workers? Um, so some of the perceptions are that um, older workers are less quick to pick things up, um, less willing to learn new things, get fixed in their ways, if you like, um, aren't necessarily open to change, um, perhaps have health conditions that prevent them from working, um, maybe um, less tolerant of younger people in the workforce. So there's this cultural fit idea, particularly when it comes down to recruitment, about to what extent can older people work effectively with a, a predominantly younger team of people. And so those are some of the perceptions out there. Um, but I think the um, reality is that some of those things may be issues for some people, but as is the case with many things in life, everybody ages differently. So you take two people aged 70, one could have chronic health conditions, um, not be in a position to work anymore. And somebody else may be thinking, wow, I feel fit and healthy. Um, the oldest student nurse was um, a man who started training at the age of 73. So that was somebody who clearly didn't feel like he was ready to, you know, sort of um, put his feet up at the normal sort of recognised retirement age. And that's interesting because I did see on a BBC article today actually there was some there's an article about an, an intern who's at the age of 52 yeah who's just decided to be an intern actually yeah. so it, it's almost like in the past and historically age defined a certain course through the workplace whereas I think now what we're kind of suggesting here is actually there is no kind of route there's no job for life there's no kind of seniority process kind of thing it's very much um people have skills and actually how can we best utilize the skills yeah and i think the crisis certainly in the uk is for skills and i think that's going to for me trumps considerations as to what age they are yes you need to have uh, a workforce that can work effectively together um, but that's true regardless of the age differences between people and I think one of the ironies around perceptions of older workers is that um, within society more widely we tend to think about older people being the the wiser heads um, we're talking about the queen being you know sort of working still pretty hard in the UK at the age of sort of in her 90s um, that the oldest president uh, serving president in the USA was Ronald Reagan at 73 and conversely the youngest was at 43 so which was JFK and likewise the youngest serving prime minister in recent times has been sort of 43 in the UK which was Cameron and Blair um, both sort of prime ministers around the age of 43 so you know do you know that much more when you're older? Yes, some things and other things, um, you know, uh, you, you may not be as aware of. So I think it's different people bring different skills. Um, so it plays to the kind of wider issue around diversity that for any organisation to succeed, you need a diversity of views, opinions, um, skills, and that if you only focus in on one group, whatever the characteristic, you are going to limit 
your options in that area so it could be young people conversely if you only employ people over 50 you're not picking up the younger generation so it's not all about older people and discrimination against them it's about having a a diverse organization that is um, uh, open to people of all ages yeah, and I, I, sorry, I just in my head I had this um, fast food restaurant adverts on TV at the moment, and in one advert they've got this this man eating this burger who slowly ages over time, which represents the burger that's been around for thirty yeah. years. And another one is very much around a family orientation. So there's a bit there about organisations how you market to to your potential applicants yeah. when you're recruiting. Actually, yeah. if you just go onto social media to recruit, you might be missing a demographic there actually so there's yeah. something there isn't there yeah and i think some of the some organizations have um particularly those that struggle to recruit such as the care industry have cottoned on to this and are actually running um campaigns specifically geared around older workers thinking about where are these people what what are they reading what where are they meeting um a lot of people may have retired from their original work but still looking to supplement income on a part-time basis which absolutely raises the flexible working issue um, as being really important particularly for people um, who are we classing as older workers 50 plus because of some of the responsibilities they have around care as well and that um, so you know what in terms of the recruitment it's it's in the same way that we would have looked at previously about sex discrimination and race discrimination we're looking at age discrimination direct and indirect so most people would know not to stick an age on mm. uh, a job advert but when it gets to words such as energetic or hungry for success um, are they inferring that it's a young culture and that older people wouldn't fit in there what are the images like on the job section of work for us on their website are they mixed ages or are they you know sort of um focused in on younger people so how what are the messages being given out there both in the style of the advert the wording the job descriptions and then it comes like as in all recruitment the bias that most people carry around with them for all sorts of things when it comes to the recruitment around the age and there's um, some very heart-rendering stories on um, a couple of websites around um, supporting older people where people in their 60s are talking about not even going for job interviews because they're just so fatalistic about not expecting to get them. So they are ruling themselves out, they're not even applying because they just don't feel they're going to get a look in in the interview process. Yeah, it's really interesting when you're talking especially about the imagery on websites and I was just thinking actually of the a few websites I've been to, corporate websites, they, they might be ethnically diverse, they might be gender diverse, but actually I can't recall seeing anyone who's probably in their 50s or 60s on the website imagery yeah. for quite a while actually. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really interesting. That's yeah. a really interesting point to bring out there. Yeah. And if you think that one in three of the people being employed will be over 50, where, where are they going to find representation of themselves on these websites? So it, it doesn't even matter if you don't have the word energetic in the, in the job description and everything. The fact that the imagery you see as you're searching around on the careers page might not represent you, just like any diverse issue yeah. and that feeling of inclusivity, then actually it becomes a third of the population feel like they're not being related to. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think um, 
old, the aging population, the older, mature worker, what do you, do, do you think they think they have to offer yeah. that might be key for businesses to grasp hold of? Um, well, I think there's some... Uh, one of the things they bring is probably reliability, as in they are more stable in many cases in their uh, life stage, if you like. If they were having a family, they, they've probably had that now. There may be other factors. It's not an, you know... Um, black and white situation but um, so I think they bring some stability that their drivers for working are slightly different um, but it's not to say they're not interested in career development anymore um, flexibility I think um, is key for them as well but what they bring I think is um, I guess um, knowledge um, that if they've worked for the organisation a long time they've got some corporate history um, so one of the challenges for organisations is to capture that before people leave and disappear. Um, you know, and if, you know, some, uh, I think it's the um, civil service in Australia looked at their most senior management structure across the whole of the civil service now in, it, no, sorry, not Australia, New Zealand. And um, they looked at their management structure and the demographic time bomb they were facing that most of the people in senior roles would be retiring within 10 to 15 years. So where was their next generation of management coming from? So one of the things, um, uh, you know, sort of, th so this experience and this transition and making sure that you've got some succession planning that you're um, thinking about um, before it gets too late and everybody just says thanks very much I've had a you know excellent people are retiring um, so I think the other thing is that um, a lot of people that are um, not exclusively something for older people but a lot of people enjoy transferring their knowledge on to younger people so in the same way that we may have come across reverse mentoring when it's young people kind of coaching the senior managers about the ways of youth and younger, younger thinking um, that people like to be able to pass on knowledge so rather than sort of say that's an old group of people that won't fit in with younger people having a mixed group where everyone can learn from each other and mentor each other in different areas um, is you know sort of the classic is the grandchild showing their grandparent how to use you know sort of uh, um, iPlayers and internet and things like that um, well conversely it's you know uh, you know this is this customer I know about them or this product you know we can go back to what we did before that worked really well um, so you know we tend to kind of be fairly dismissive about the past as everything's always moved on and improved um, whereas you know th there's some benefits in kind of tapping into that knowledge before it goes. And, and that's really interesting two things spring to mind there for me I, I spoke to an OD uh, manager at a military manufacturing company about three or four years ago and they had the, the, this same issue that they said in the next eight years 50% of the workforce were due to retire so they set this program around about the expert who was coming up to retire having like a buddy for one hour a week and they called that person the next expert and so they had the expert and the next expert and over a period of like nine months they would transfer the knowledge yeah. and it could be someone who did the welding on the wings of a military jet but they were the best at doing the welding it's that tacit knowledge yeah. that gets lost if yeah. you don't tap it out of a workforce yeah. kind of thing so it, that's it's very interesting yeah so. and of course um, in a lot of organisations that's probably the competitive edge mm. that they have and um, you know mm. the brand reputations being such that they are. Imagine if someone like Bosch had a complete 
drop-off of knowledgeable engineers who all happen to be around the you know sort of baby boomer age and all retire within five years of each other and you haven't developed the next group of people with knowledge and I just to jump around a little bit saw something on TV the other day about um, on one hand a lot of the public love these old steam railway engine you know sort of uh, heritage tracks and yet everyone who knew how to drive a coal engine steam train is coming close to not being however old they are uh, in fairness not being able to do that anymore and that they need people that have never done that as a day job to start coming forward otherwise there'll be no one left to drive these engines that's interesting isn't it and and we'll move on but another one I've got is is, uh, David Attenborough at Glastonbury this year so yes. the fallacy that the, the, the people think that there's no relationship between the different generations yeah. and no relevance and everything. Yeah. I remember he walked out on stage and got the biggest cheer of the whole weekend kind yeah. of thing. So it shows that there is there is a value of a younger generation looking at the knowledge of an older generation. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, so I, I need to move it on a little bit. And it's, it's, so we, we've identified that there's so much to give from an aging workforce back into the system so what do you think HR leaders and business leaders can do to be more age friendly for want of a better word? Um, Well I think one of the things is the kind of obvious diversity barriers that that would be true anywhere so um, we talked about recruitment earlier and about the importance of not um, project overly projecting a young image if that's not the image that uh, the organization is concerned with and I think the one of the other issues is you know it's not an elephant in the room health does become more important as people get older and so I think again it's going to very much depend on the situation of the nature of the work that um, the individuals do obviously the more physical the job the more um, care needs to be taken about people's ability for example if they were nursing um standing up working 12-hour shifts you know um how you know regardless somebody in their 20s might struggle with that but you know at what point does that become harder for people at what point might they want to reduce their hours rather than stop altogether or just you know sort of cut their hours back so i think it's um being aware of the medical things of practical assessments in some cases if it's quite a physical um kind of work about um, making sure there's health checks on a regular basis, um, adjusting things. It could just be, um, you know, having a bigger screen on a VDU display or literally showing people how to make the font bigger because their eyesight's not as good or um, just, um, you know, so it's going to vary and sometimes that'll be driven by insurance policies, of course, depending on the nature of the work. Um, but I think there's being aware about health, um, there's helping people plan for the future. Um, a lot of people um, really don't like to think about what will happen when they get older. We know that with regards to pension planning and financial planning generally. So some organisations are starting to think about something like uh, what's been piloted is the idea of a midlife MOT. So what are the issues concerning people as they kind of move towards the, you know, sort of second stage of their working lives, if you like, uh, 50 and beyond. Um, financial planning, thinking about pensions a little bit more, thinking about um, when do they want to stop working altogether? When might they want to phase down what they're working? Um, and what if anything do they still want to learn and one of the one of the um 
challenges I give back to people is if I'm 50 or 55 I could still train as a doctor and still work for 15 years before I could qualify for my pension so it's possible so the idea that people might not want to start a new career um, in their 50s or even 60s I think is going to become increasingly um, proven to be wrong that people don't lose all ambition just because their calendars ticked over another year and they're another year older um, based on the year they were born um, so I think it's being alive to that not pigeonholing people um, and also I think it's about you know what what a what everybody's looking for from work is partly about pay, obviously. Um, some of it's about the purpose of the organisation and the values it has and feeling like you can understand those and share in those. Um, the social aspects of work, so working as part of a team. So um, I think ultimately it's about not making assumptions um, that in the same way that people might make assumptions about young people, not making assumptions about older people, about what they do or don't want. Ask them. Mm. You know, as if with all employees, ask them what they want, what they need. Um, think about some of the factors that change. They're not going to necessarily be interested in maternity leave and maternity benefits, but they might be interested in grandparent leave or carer leave because that's going to possibly be more important to them. And that kind of brings on to the world of flexibility, doesn't it? Because, uh, again, this is a very broad brush approach, but flexibility for a working mum might be say going down to three days a week as then you only have to pay for three days childcare yeah. rather than five uh, flexibility for a, a young worker entering into a workplace could be I want a three month sabbatical to go and tour Southeast Asia yeah. whereas flexibility for an older worker who might find the energy needed to make it through nine to five might be compressed hours and only work half days so I yeah. think there's flexibility has its own uniqueness I suppose yeah and I think the the I think there's I think there's like nine out of ten people when surveyed said they would like more flexibility in their their working lives regardless of age and I think the drivers as you say for flexibility uh, vary and caring and caring responsibilities definitely features higher the older people get um, particularly for females um, who tend to traditionally take on that role more than men but not exclusively so and that flexibility is going to really again boil down to individuals but you know sort of you know unlike less like childcare there may be crises where people need a bit more time off to deal with a particular medical crisis and then you know sort of sporadic hospital appointments care appointments um, and I think also just the strain of caring for somebody that um, often a close family member or a, a friend um, being that carer in this you know as any any parent would know it doesn't come without its personal sort of costs and I think some more enlightened employers are starting to set up networks now for their employees around care which you know obviously you can be a carer at any age um, but the you know it is fairly uh, certain that for most people as they get older they're going to end up caring for an older parent because we know going back to the beginning that people are living longer so older parents are going to be around you know which is great but for a lot longer therefore requiring a lot more of our time as carers part-time carers so there's a number of issues here but I suppose the moral of the story is it, it's not a, an older worker is not uh one type fits all kind of thing just as we should say without any demographic of any worker kind of thing. yeah yeah um i think that's right um it, it, there isn't one type fits all but i think it's it, it's a reasonable um practice to consider medical um 
issues, um, the physical environment, the physical nature of the work and what adjustments might be needed and um, helping people plan for the next stage in their, you know, sort of life when it comes to financial planning and that sort of thing. And I think that's quite valued in a way that people, um, you know, might value that traditionally when they're younger about career development. Well, the same thing's true when I'm 50 or 55. It's just that the topics might be slightly different. Yeah. That's cool. So we're running out of time, like we always do in our podcasts. So I could go on for hours. Um, but if there was one thing you would want our listeners to kind of take away, think about, maybe act on, what, what would it? What would it be? I think it would be um, about not making assumptions because of the age that somebody appears to be. Um, so seeing beyond the age, beyond their date of birth, seeing the person underneath regardless actually but in particular for older people um, and being um, just having some thought around the working environment and working practices and to what extent that is as age-friendly as it could be. Yeah, and I think it's, when you think about the, the concept of intersectionality, it's just another lens that you yeah. should apply over yeah. to the complexity of humans. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. another another lens to look through. So if I am, you know, uh, a female, older, black, am I going to be? You know, what is my advantage disadvantage versus a younger white male, for example, is you know kind of you know not quite polar opposites but um you know so yes it's another layer of intersectionality for sure um to lay on but i think it's an important one and as we talked about sort of we're coming more to the the forefront um it's fantastic jenny thank you ever so much for coming and doing the podcast with me today um great insights i hope all the listeners appreciate it as well thank you thank you and uh, thanks everyone for listening and to find out more about engagement and how it affects workforce productivity uh, you can download our white paper called the productivity challenge for free at our website tapsolutions.com and that's it for now we'll be back with another tap talks hr podcast soon bye